If you still have your Bible open to Luke chapter 5, page 1032, we're beginning this series of learning to follow, learning to listen, but this wasn't the start of Jesus' venture with Jesus, really. If you look in chapter 4, in particular, we find that Jesus is at Capernaum, the city beside the, the Lake of Galilee, and he is preaching in the synagogue there. And while he is preaching, the people are amazed by the authority. In verse 32, they're amazed by the authority of his teaching. But then things begin to change. There within the, the synagogue, there's a man possessed by an evil spirit. And this man begins to cry out within the meeting. Now imagine what that would be if, if we were here on Sunday morning trying to read the word of God and somebody cries out. What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. And immediately, Jesus tells him to be quiet. That'll be some service, won't it? You'll be talking about it for weeks. But Peter was there. And he heard not just the teachings of Jesus, and the way in which he spoke, and the authority with which he spoke. But Peter began to see a new authority. A new authority over the spiritual world. The Holy One of God, the evil spirit said. Come out of him, Jesus said. As a good church family, I suppose, Peter then invites the young preacher back to his home for dinner. And perhaps conversations continue there. Still towards the end of chapter 4, Peter, Jesus then heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And she responds in wanting to just show the transformation in her life. By serving. That evening, it was not over. Crowds of people came to Peter's door with the sick and those who are ill in one form or another. And Peter would have witnessed all these things that Jesus had said and done. These signs, these wonders speak of an authority he does not know, an authority he does not understand. So when we come to chapter 5, and we see the storm, and, and G, sorry, the, the, the incident here that Jesus says, well, now you've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Verse 5, how does Peter respond when Jesus commands him? He says, well, put out your nets again. And there's a little lesson, really, that in life we can struggle on in our spiritual life and feel that we haven't succeeded. But sometimes Jesus just tells us, do it again. And you can see how Peter honors that word. 
And in doing so, he sees something he'd never seen before. Two boats sinking, full of fish. Now, I'm an occasional fisherman, but if I was in a very small boat and there was enough fish just to cover the floor of the boat when I finished fishing, that would be a miracle. (laughs) But for this, this was an experience for Peter that doesn't happen every day. Clearly, as a fisherman and a businessman, And somehow, maybe those words of the evil spirit, the Holy One of God, hits Peter. The one who brings the holiness of God. The one who represents the holiness and purity of God. The one who sees all things, who knows all things. There is nothing hidden from his sight. No wonder Peter falls on his knees and confess his sin. So we're beginning to see Peter setting out on this journey of recognizing who he is before God. And so should we. But he'll continue to recognize more and more things that God knows about us that we don't know about ourselves. And he'll begin to understand a bit more. For there's no condemnation here for Peter, but forgiveness. That is the message of the new kingdom. There is no conviction beyond that forgiveness. There's an assurance. There's no going back now, only forward. And we see Peter and the others leave their boats. They put aside their nets. And in obedience begin to follow Jesus. We see he continues to listen over the coming weeks. And we will see how listening continues to transform him. I'm not trying to steal from speakers, but I want us to look at just three scenes that we may come across or we may not. But in the first scene, if you can put it up, please. Now, this is a challenge. Anybody know what part of the Bible, what is the message of that? Master, it's good for us to be here. Anybody remember where those words come from? Peter? Sorry? Yeah, the Mount of Transfiguration. And we find this in Luke chapter 9, page 1040. The first scene that I've chosen today, there are many others, and you just have to follow the scriptures, read all four Gospels and you'll see them. But this one, I've got the picture there, it's a mountaintop experience. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. And as Jesus prays, he's transformed in a way that Peter could only describe as radiating in light. And suddenly, Jesus is not alone with them anymore. There are two other people there, Moses and Elijah, speaking to him about his death. 
And Peter doesn't know what to do. He almost just wants to preserve this mountaintop experience. And he says, it's good for us to be here, Lord. Should we build tents and stay here for a while? And soon a cloud descends. And the disciples became afraid. And they heard a voice. This is my son. Listen to him. What a prayer meeting. They begin to pray. And God speaks. And you could almost... Feel the tension and the excitement there is as they walk down that mountain. And they're not allowed to tell anyone. What brimming joy and what an experience. It certainly is a mountaintop experience, literally. But Jesus then takes them on into the valley, we may say. As Moses had a mountaintop experience... And he saw the face of God. He heard the words of God. But God didn't keep him there. He had to come down into the valley of everyday living and live out the reality of that mountaintop experience. So the second scene. No, that's the third, second. Is there darkness? All right. There's, okay. There is a second scene anyway. <laughs> Obviously, I left it on the PowerPoint somewhere. Take that one back, go back to the other one. The second scene, if you want to turn quickly, because I'm only glancing through these passages. Uh, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, page 1071. These perhaps are things that you can look at later. Under the title, Many Disciples Desert Jesus, 1071. And we find that Jesus is back in Capernaum and teaching. But this time the message is much more difficult to receive. It wasn't as palatable as before. It wasn't as amazing as before. It was hard to take on board what he said. And we read in verse 60, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And we see quite quickly... How now, rather than the excitement of that occasion, we see in verse 66, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The thrill had somehow diminished. The excitement had vanished. And now they didn't want to follow him anymore. But he turns to his twelve, doesn't he? In verse 67, look what he says. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. How about you? 
Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Things have stripped away. But this is what he says. This is what he clings on to, to keep him going. In verse 67. Sorry, 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The excitement and the thrills had now drifted a little bit because the rubber was hitting the road and it was hard going. But he was holding on not to the mountaintop experience as before. But you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else for us to go. That is it. If you have the words of eternal life, what else do we need? The second part of this scene is if you quickly turn to Matthew 19, page 987. There's two aspects to it. The words of eternal life. Nine eight seven. We find that Jesus meets a young, well we think it's young, they tend to put the title young, rich man, who seems on outward appearances to be a great guy. We certainly have him as a deacon. He's been going to church for a long time. He's been keeping the commandments of God. But Jesus recognizes quickly that his wealth was a hindrance to him going any further in his life with God. And Jesus sums it up. And he says how hard it is for the rich to enter heaven. How hard it is for the rich to enter heaven. And Peter says, Lord, in verse 27, we've left everything to follow you. We've left everything to follow you. They came a cost here, recognizing. But for him, the memory of those mountaintop experiences may have been like the stars in the sky, a distant memory of a glorious time, of a rich time. But it wasn't a sad thing. Because you've just got to continue to read the passage. This is your homework. And see what God, Jesus speaks into his life for the future. In continuing when the going gets tough. I might show my age, but Eddie Grant was a musician. And he said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But I think for the Christian life is that those who have faith in Christ should keep going. We don't have to wait till the going gets tough. We've just got to keep going for all the time. From the mountaintop experience to the valley experience. And to the final scene, please. Again, I've just had my prompt that I should be moving on very quickly. John 21, when Jesus meets Peter again. The person of who 
Peter believed Jesus was, this one who was going to overthrow all authority, and he was going to take control, and, and his disciples, as he said back in uh, John 6, were going to sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. This is all gone. Jesus had died, was crucified, and now raised. And I put it as the fog. The experience in the fog. When you don't know whether to go forward or back, left or right. But Peter realized something, and I want to use that picture, the man standing on the rock in the fog. Because when Peter is probed by Jesus in, Matthew, sorry, in John 21, and he says, do you love me, Peter, more than these? And he speaks to him and he questions him this three times. Something comes out. Something that was more permanent in Peter's life now than the mountaintop experience or the great feelings. Peter says, I love you. You know everything now. And this is what it boils down to. I will follow you because I love you. Before I knew you, the Holy One, I know you've got the words of eternal life, but now I'm committed to your cause. And I want to follow you and keep following you, despite when my dreams are shattered, despite when I don't feel that great. I'm going to keep following you. So, for the final scene, you're going to be involved in the final scene. If you put up the final scene, please, this one. I might shock you a bit, but what I want us to think about is this question. How is my relationship with Jesus nurtured? What is the basis of it? And I know this may be difficult. If you're visiting, please be patient with us. But we want to nurture this sharing of understanding of our relationship with Jesus and what is it based on. For some of you, you might find it easy to turn to the people next to you, two or three, and discuss it. For some, you may find it more difficult. But it's an opportunity for you to reflect on that question in your life. And don't look at two Peter, because that's the answer. That's cheating. <laughs> I knew. I could see people flicking through their Bibles. See, that's going to the back of the textbook looking for the answer. No, 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 no. That's for you to look at later. But I want you now to turn, just take a minute, just to reflect on that question and chat with the person next to you. And if there are things that you have thought of, there are pieces of paper on the end of the aisles, and write them down. And my friends in grit will come and bring it up, and we're going to stick it to the boat, okay? We had a big catch earlier of fish. We want a big catcher now of how is God nurturing your faith in him? And we want to draw that in. So as you think about it, take those pieces of paper, write down. How does God nurture? How do you nurture that faith in God? i got those little shoots growing up there. How does, it, how does it get nurtured? How does it get fed? So grab those pieces of paper and write down. Come on. I give you one minute so you've got time pressure now. And if, you, if you've written down something, put your hand up and my friends from Grit, they'll come and bring it to them, add it to the boat. Come on, lazy bones.